Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. That's it with your boy. Better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. I love when we can start the podcast talking about boxing. It's my favorite sport to cover by far live and in person. And I've covered a lot of different sports and entertainment events. We have a special guest, Kale Dansby from ESPN Ringside, my good friend, one of the best boxing and MMA reporters in the business, bar none, has the Corner Podcast. It's coming out with a new podcast called Wrestling with Stereotypes with Andres Hale, another great guy for the culture. Has covered over 500 events in the last decade. Probably the hardest working person in the industry. And, you know, I'm proud to say that a BSO alum covered a lot of those events. For, for BSO, and BSO could not be where it is today if not for the work of Kale Dansby. So I'm very, very proud of him and thankful and appreciative. We got him on the show to talk about Teofimo Lopez and Lomachenko. Some call it an upset. I do not. But we're going to ask Kale some questions about what he thought of the fight and, and what's next for both Lomachenko and Lopez. Boy, how you doing, Kel? Good, good. A lot of those boxing credentials have BSO on it. You know, <laughs> no coincidence. Um, nah, it's good. It's good to be here. Busy weekend, you know, for me at ESPN, but it was fun. It's always good when we have big fights and get that big fight feel and that energy is back. You know, no fans, no fans needed. It's still, the buzz around the fight was was perfectly fine. So, so let's tell everybody the fight that we're talking about. Uh, Teofimo Lopez, uh, I, you know, a lot of people call it an upset, but he, he beats Lomachenko, becomes the undisputed lightweight champion. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you that Teofimo won and the way that he won the fight? On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised was I that he won a zero? I picked him to win. So... I picked Teofimo to win last year when this fight became a possibility. When his dad made that prediction, I started looking at what he brought to the table, what Loma brought to the table, how Loma looked at 135 in general, regardless of an opponent. And then seeing what Teofimo did against Richard Comey, I think that was my first fight with ESPN, like the first real fight where I was ringside and uh, I was in New York. That was Terrence Crawford at, MG, at uh, MSG. So... I was there, Teofimo was a co-main, and the way he timed him and the counterpunch was so smooth, and you could see him not go in with a game plan, but he has that rare ability to create the game plan as the fight is going. And I was like, that's something special. That's going to be a problem for Lomachenko. So I wasn't surprised that Teofimo won. I thought Teofimo would be able to drop Lomachenko and knock him out. If not a knockout, that knockdown would be the difference 
in maybe, you know, a six rounds to six rounds fight, the knockdown would be the reason why Teofimo won. I didn't see him just outclassing him as a boxer. But now it makes sense. Like, after you watch it happen, you're like, I guess I should have saw this coming. I had good convos with Timothy Bradley, who was, like, the number one guy picking Teofimo Lopez the entire week. And he broke it down to me. And I was like, you know what? This is why they pay you. This is why you're a former world champion. So, no, he was steadfast. Teofimo's going to win. He knew why. And he was right. And Teofimo's dad was right. It was the perfect storm at the perfect time for a 23-year-old. You know, I, I hate excuses. I never, I, you know, you've known me for a long time when we talk about boxing. I, you know, I'm from the uh, Roger Mayweather school of, you know, people don't know, you know what about boxing. You know, if you take an L, you take an L. Uh, a lot of people, uh, or I say some people, are making excuses for Lomachenko. He started slow, he this and that. You know, when you watch Lomachenko in that fight, in your expert opinion, what, what are we seeing right now with Lomachenko? Are we seeing a guy that just... Shouldn't it be at 135, kind of like how when Mikey Garcia went up to 147 to fight Earl Spence and just was too much for him? Or are we seeing a guy that's had a million amateur fights, a lot of tough pro fights, even though he's only 32, you know, his prime and the best of Lomachenko we've already seen? I don't think we see the best of him per se. I would agree that, you know, the going up in weight has a factor. It usually does for everyone outside of Manny Pacquiao, in the history of boxing, when you move up in weight, something comes off of your punches, you lose power. Manny is the anomaly to that. But outside of that, Lomachenko had one punch knockout power at 126. At 130, he had to overwhelm people with volume. At 135, he was getting decisions. He didn't knock out Luke Campbell. You know, he, he ended Salido late, but got dropped by him early. So you see that those power measurables weren't there at 135. He had to just be better technically than everyone else. The Mayweather philosophy. Mayweather stopped trying to knock people out at 147, 154. He knew it was too small. His hands were too small. So instead, he was like, no one's going to hit me, and I'll just be better than everyone technically, which works. The problem with Lomachenko going into this fight is when people say he started slow, he starts slow in every fight. But he starts slow first round, second round slow. He's like a computer, much like John Jones in the UFC, is where they step into the ring, they digest all this information. He puts the game plan together. He annihilates people once he gets all the information he needs. Diofimo Lopez was so good that he didn't give him any information. So he started slow because there was nothing to input into his computer to start fighting. So the first seven rounds, Teofimo wasn't a counterpuncher. Lomachenko decided not to throw. Teofimo said, I'm not going to chase you. I'm going to hit throw jabs, and I'm going to punch you to the body. You can't get anything from that. I'm not going to overextend. I'm not going to throw a big hook. I'm not going to use my footwork. I'm going to walk straight at you. Jabs, hook to the body, or a straight jab to the body. What do you got? And then Lomachenko was like, I don't know what to do. I can't put any information into my computer to find out this guy's weakness. So it took him seven rounds to figure out, you know what? I just need to start throwing punches. <laughs> I, I, I got to make the mistake because then when I make the mistake, he will then counterpunch and I can figure out the puzzle. Lomachenko was counting on Lopez just giving him the pieces to the puzzle so he could put it together. 
Lopez was like, no, I'm not going to give you anything. And let's see what happens. So in, in that way, Lomachenko left himself open in the seventh round and was like, I'm just going to start wailing punches. He ate a few, but he saw what he needed to see to be like, oh, this is how I hit Teofimo. Rounds eight through 11, figured it out. And then Teofimo round 12 was like, you know what? Cool. Now we're in a firefight. Now you can't go backwards. I gave you all this info. You can't go backwards and stop throwing punches. And he hit Lomachenko 50 times in the final round because Lomachenko couldn't wheel it back. So it was a great game of cat and mouse by Theofimo. If this was an old school 15 round fight, Theofimo knocks him out in 14 because the, it has those ups and down moments. And Theofimo let Loma gain enough confidence for when he wanted to put his foot on the gas, he was like, I'm really going to hit you now. So it was a false sense of confidence he gave Loma. He fought like the veteran of 400 amateur oh. fights. He, he tricked the trickster into fighting the fight that he wanted. And it was perfect. Now, not everyone can do that. This isn't, a, oh, anyone who steps in there with Loma can just copy this blueprint. No, it's not going to work like that. Loma dances circles around a lot of other people. Diofimo Lopez is special, and I think that's what people have to see. Speaking of special, unfortunately, if you still ask a casual boxing fan, who's the you know, two fighters that they know? They are Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, even though they're both like 150 years old now. <laughs> We've been waiting for that next kind of star to come. A lot of people thought maybe it would be uh, Deontay Wilder, it, it, it was close, but it just it never really kind of crept over that. And then you saw what happened, you know, with Tyson Fury. He's tw- uh, Lopez, Tiafimo, 23 years old. Big, big, just beat the pound, quote unquote, pound for pound best. Do you think that he has not, because you know, it has to be partly boxing skills, but we know it's yeah. boxing. You have to have more. Does he have all of that to be? come that crossover star that boxing needs to move away from the Floyd Mayweather, you know, Manny Pacquiao is the only two people that, you know, casual boxing fans know. In terms of boxing, yes. Like you, you have a good mix of, he's from Honduras. He, you know, his family's from Honduras. Mm -hmm. He's fought in the Olympics for Honduras. The Spanish people love him he can get that following of uh miguel Cotto, right like where the spanish community rallies around him which is important in boxing all combat sports when you have a country or a demographic behind you it helps you sell canelo showed that that's why canelo's a star that's what separates him from a guy like charlo is that he has a country behind him so when you have that at such a young age your star is going to blossom he can be on the same level as Canelo. He can do those numbers. He can sell those pay-per-views going forward. And we see Canelo lose. So what? People saw Canelo. I saw it with my two eyes. We were there. We saw him lose to Triple G. Yeah. But they gave him that fight. It mm-hmm. didn't matter. At that point, everyone's behind him. He's a star regardless. Mm-hmm. So I think Diofimo can be that. Can he be Mayweather? I'm not sure. Because there's something special about being an American star. American-made star. It, it just is. Either people, whether they hate you or they love you, it's hard to be polarizing like that when you have a country behind you. And Teofimo talks all this trash, all this stuff, but the Spanish people are always going to love him now. Trash talk, his dad's trash talk, it doesn't matter. 
it's going to be hard to get people to hate him. And that was the difference between Floyd. He found a way to get people to hate him. And looking at that, I don't see that from Theofimo necessarily to be a crossover star. That's, that's going to be tough. To me, the crossover star in boxing is Ryan Garcia. Oh. Ryan Garcia is a star already, and he's 22 years old. I mean, he's doing YouTubes with chicks who have 30 million followers. <laughs> he has 8 million followers on Instagram. This kid is a star where it matters, and that's to the kids. Like, it doesn't matter if people are stars for me and you. Like, who, who cares? Man, we've got no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we're, we're past that. You know, he, he's a star to the trendsetters. He's already a star outside of boxing. And that's what makes it easier. When you're a star outside of boxing, all he, all Ryan Garcia has to do is now back it up in the ring. And he doesn't have to be undefeated. He just has to fight the best, look good. And it's Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya lost a lot of the big fights. He won a lot of big fights. But he didn't duck anyone. Because right. a loss did not matter to him. He was a star. He was on telenovelas in Mexico. He was an Olympian. It didn't matter. Nothing could hurt the golden boy. And that's where Ryan Garcia is. Theofimo takes a couple losses. That star power can be a little iffy. Nothing will hurt a kid like Ryan Garcia. And I think Tank is getting that. Tank, mm. is, Tank is around there where if Tank wins and the hip-hop community continues to latch itself to Tank, he, he's young enough that the young kids can think he's cool. Right. And he can have that same Mayweather blueprint where Mayweather's getting walked out by 50 Cent, by Lil Wayne, all that stuff. Now Tank can get walked out by Lil Baby or Gunna or whatever new young kid is out here crooning horribly. Like he can get walked out by them and be cool. So I think Tank and Ryan Garcia are more crossover stars in the ring. I think Theofimo might be the biggest star and best fighter of them. Now, I'll let you put on, before I let you go, you got to put on your promoter's hat now. <laughs> so, Theofimo, you know, you, you beat Lomachenko, but like I said, 23 is not over. What does, what's the best move for him? Does he stay at 145 fight, the two-time email champ in Devin Haney? Does he move up to 140 where... There's a lot of guys out there that, you know, are, are good, maybe not great, try to try to go undisputed again. Um, the, you know, does he does he dare to be great? Does he do the, the, the Shane Mosley, 135 to 147, and look for, like, a huge fight there? You know, there's a lot of options for him, but at 23 years old, coming off the biggest win and, you know, this not his new fame and popularity as the promoter, what would you say his next step should be? If I'm his promoter, I have his next three fights in my head already. Like, you could, you could put it on paper. His next fight, he has to go against Jack Catterall, people who have no clue who Jack Catterall is. In the UK, the, okay. In the UK, he's uh -huh. the number one contender for Josh Taylor's belt. Mm. Josh Taylor is going to unify against Jose Ramirez to have an undisputed champion, right, at 140. It'll happen beginning of this next year. When that happens, usually all the belts break up after that person wins, because there's too many number one contenders mm. for all four belts. It's hard to keep them. The benefit of this is Theofimo being a unified champion at 135 makes him the number one contender for every belt at number at 140 mm. if he moves up. Automatically, that is the rules. If you vacate your belts and move up, you are the number one contender 
for those same belts when you go. That's what happened to uh, Navarretti, right? When Navarretti, he, he moved belt. right in and got his belt and, back. And Canelo, yeah. Kerr Stevenson is about mm-hmm. to do that. He stepped aside right. so they can fight with Shakur Stevenson, number one contender, for his mm-hmm. belt. Diofimo was number one for all of those belts. Mm-hmm. So now, when someone unifies, when they come undisputed, Catterall's the only other person that is a number one contender. If he loses, then that's under, un, unchallenged that mm-hmm. Diofimo is the number one contender for all four 140-pound belts mm-hmm. in one fight. No need for the undisputed champion to vacate anything. Mm. So Dio Fimo fights Catterall, sent him to the UK. Huge fight. You might get fans over there. They're a little better with the Rona. Mm. Dio Fimo goes and proves that this spring when you have Ramirez and Taylor fighting for the undisputed. The Dio Fimo fights undisputed next summer. I say put in MSG, you know, whatever. We get fans there. Dio Fimo versus Ramirez or Josh Taylor to be undisputed 140 pound champion no one's ever done it twice right that'd be huge and then next year around this time december you have Dio Fimo now being undisputed in both guess what when you have all the belts you are automatic contender for anyone you want if mm. you move up he becomes automatic number one contender for bud crawford at mm. 147 because he has that belt and mm. you can make that he jumps everyone and you have terrence crawford versus Theofimo Lopez at 147. And Crawford's not a big 147. So they're about the same size. And you have him in a span of 12 months, possibly knocking off the number one and number two pound-for-pound fighters in the world. That's how you make a kid a star in a year before the age of 25. Look, you got, you you know, you know, if the staying with ESPN doesn't work out, the top (laughs) rank may be calling. I'm just saying, they watching this, Bob, if you're watching it, you know, the Todd, if you guys are watching this, look, the man, that's that's pretty good. That's that's better than Al. Look, are you really Al Heyman? Because we ain't never <laughs> seen Al Heyman. So you might actually be Al Heyman because I always felt like it may have been one of those type of things where the Al Heyman that we see, like the picture from 1982 you know, from, he may not even exist anymore. Maybe somebody else totally running it. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not trying to do a conspiracy theory or anything like that. Uh, Kel, let us know all the places that they can find you and, and listen to your shows and, and what you're up to and what you're doing. Um, you're doing great work. I want to make sure we get as many people uh, following you as possible. Sounds good. Follow me on all platforms at Kel Dansby. Real name, no gimmicks. K-E-L-D-A-N-S-B-Y. You can follow my work for ESPN at ESPN Ringside on Twitter and Instagram. Follow my podcast, The Corner Podcast, on all places where podcasts are available, Spotify, Apple Music. And then in November, check out Wrestling with Stereotypes. Me, my co-host Andreas Hale, being a very big voice in the wrestling community for those who haven't had a voice traditionally, telling the stories of minorities of all types in professional wrestling. So looking forward to that. That's pretty much it for me. Thank you, as always. Shout out to BSO, always my home for forever. I got my start there. It is great. Thank you, the boss, man. It, it is great to be on your show. You're making me proud, my man. You keep winning. That's that's the best way you can always repay me is just keep winning. That's all I want to see. Thank you, Kel. Appreciate you. Kel's a good dude. Be sure to follow him. He's doing good things. Um, when I met Kel, uh, he was young. I think he was 23 22, 
and he wanted to get in this industry and he wanted to be a boxing reporter. He wanted to be a UFC reporter um, and he worked at it. He worked very, very hard at it. And I've always said the goal is not to stop at BSL. The goal is to use BSL to springboard you to bigger and better things. Go surpass, you know, what I've done. Go do better, you know, than me. And that, that's always been the goal. The goal has always been if you, if you come through my, my atmosphere, I want to springboard you to bigger and better things by giving you opportunities that, that you haven't gotten. Because, you know, your, your skin complexion is not the right complexion or you didn't know the right person or you don't have the right education or whatever it may be. If I saw a talent and you're willing to work at it, I always promised I'd get you to where you needed to go. And Kale is a prime example of that. You don't get any higher, no matter what you feel about them personally, you don't get no higher than ESPN. I mean, they're the worldwide leader in sports and he's now a valuable member uh, of that team and has transformed uh, their social media for boxing and wrestling and UFC. He's done such a great job with that. Couldn't be any more uh, prouder uh, than him. He's married, has a beautiful family. Just that's how I envisioned it. You know, that's how I envisioned it when I started BSO that that I can look at someone like a you know like a coach, you know, that puts together a staff. And then the assistant coaches go out and win Super Bowls when they get head coaching jobs. Yeah, that's the way that's the way it should be with us. And when I say with us, I'm talking about, you know, when you look in the mirror, what color you are. That's how we should help each other. Unfortunately, you know, some of us like to hold each other down. Some of us get jealous. Some of us are crabs in a barrel. But that's another discussion for another day. Um, NFL season is in full swing, Rona and all. You got games on random days, random times. I don't know what the hell is going on. Is that part of the season where, like, you're starting to see who's the contenders, who's, like, that middle ground that could get hot and become contenders, and who's trash? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's at, it's at that point of the season. Like, okay, these are the teams that could make a run. These are the teams that, yeah, you know, if they get it together, they could get hot and make a run. And then it's the Jets. <laughs> it's the Jets. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, it's something that's just over for. It's always, in all NFL season, about the fifth or sixth game, you know, you know, once you're in that realm, so like you know, if you're if you're five and oh, four and one, you know you 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 know that you're one of the elites. You know, if you're three and two, two and three, that's still a chance. You know, you one and four, one and five, oh and five, that's pretty much over for you. Even with the the NFL continuing to add playoff teams. I think right now you can say these teams are the ones that we got to watch out for. Like, just off the top of my head, you know, you're probably thinking, you know, Ravens, Chiefs, um, you're probably still Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Um, 
those are kind of the ones that drew out the top of your head you think of. Maybe got a good shot. Got that, you know, Seattle. Yeah, but then everybody else is kind of like, hey, maybe. They might get hot. Normally, every NFL season, somebody gets hot. Somebody gets hot. It was the Titans last year. It's always someone that gets hot and, and pulls some upsets. So we'll see. Um, the other thing I want to talk about was the Clippers. Did you see that story about how they were supposedly jealous of Kawhi and his low management? That happens when you don't win. <laughs> like, if the Raptors would have got bounced out in the first round last year, or the year before, I don't know how we counted it now, people would have been like, ah, oh, it was the load management. It was the load management. But, you know, you come to L.A., you got a lot of personalities, you got a lot of strong personalities and it's not like Kawhi talks to anybody and they got look chemistry I you know when people talk about chemistry in sports it's a kind of a fickle thing I do think internally if you have bad chemistry it could derail a team whereas good chemistry good teamwork can uplift a team In the end, I think talent matters more than anything else. Especially in basketball. Still think talent wins out. Like, I don't care how much chemistry a team the Lakers had. If it was just LeBron or just AD on the team, it probably doesn't work. I think the Clippers have more to do with Paul George not really being a a super, superstar than it did with chemistry. You know what I mean? Like, I I think you can have good chemistry and you just don't have the talent. I think that's the problem. I think when you're, I think you have to say Kawhi has been proven that he's kind of an A-plus talent when healthy. You know, Paul George is not not Anthony Davis. It's not, you know, Russell Westbrook. It's not James Harden. It's not Steph Clay. You know, he's he, he just not. He's not Giannis. You know, he's just, he's Paul George. He's, I don't exactly know where he fits in. But, it's, it's, you know, he's not Dame Lillard. Is he CJ McCullough? I don't know. I think I might prefer CJ. Is he, he's, he's, you know something? He's, he's Chris Middleton just, you know, w- with a IG model baby mama and, Better video, better commercials. I, I mean, that's you know, I'm saying like you know, he, he has an interesting backstory and stuff like that. He's not Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he's Chris Middleton. He's he's Chris Middleton with more Instagram followers. I mean, that's that's I mean that hey, that's the truth of the matter. Here's the thing: if they win, then nobody cares. If they don't win, it becomes an issue. It's a little concerning that Lou Williams don't know what bristle means. I mean, I know you're athletes and stuff, but you should know what the word bristle is not like a, it's not like a complicated word. If t- someone just in context, you should maybe he was joking. I don't know. I mean, but a ten year old, if you like, said, "Hey, teammates bristled against you know Kawhi Leonard." I think a ten year old would just in context would know what it means. I don't know. Maybe he's joking. I don't know. Let's get to what in the blue hell. What in the blue hell? I'll be honest. 
I've been I couldn't wait to get to this story. And I hope I hope that someone is out there listening, a scammer, a liar, a thief, a deviant. <laughs> I hope they're out there listening and really pay attention to what I'm saying. Let me set the scene first. There are a lot of rappers in the world. And thanks to SoundCloud and YouTube, you know, anybody can be a rapper these days. Back in my day, if you wanted to be a rapper, there was a lot of rappers back then too. At least you had to, you know, go to an actual studio, record, put it on a, on a CD or a tape, try to sell it out the trunk. It was only until like I was getting out of college that the internet, Al Gore's internet, started kind of putting it to where you can put your music online. And it's only probably been in the last, what, five years or so, five to seven years, where streaming is, you know, more more important than record sales. I mean, when's the last time you bought an actual physical CD? You mean you can you can blame, you know, iPhones and all of this other stuff. But nobody actually like the last CD I bought, honestly, that I can recall, because once Napster and all of that stuff came. You know, it was, it was game over for that. I think the last CD I purchased was like in 2000, <laughs> like 20 years ago. And that was only because you can you can get the songs online and then burn your own CDs. But then it became streaming. And you didn't even have to do that. You could just, you know, go to Apple Music and just download whatever you wanted to and listen to as many times as you wanted to. You pay $9.99 a month. I mean, when I was in college, I spent, I had a budget. Like for CDs, because CDs you range anywhere between $9.99 or $16.99 back in the day. This is true. So, you know, if you bought 10 CDs a, a month, I mean, you're over, you know, over 100 bucks, close to 150 I mean, That's not counting the singles and all of that stuff. Yeah, you could buy singles back then. You didn't have to buy the whole. So back then, if you wanted the single and you wanted the remix, you know, you had maybe you bought that just as this, like Biggie, like uh, what is it? one was one more chance. One more chance is not on Ready to Die, not the version that everybody knows. That was a remix single that you had to buy. That's a whole other four ninety nine. <laughs> Whatever the case, anybody can be a rapper now. It's real easy if you got look. Even now, you don't need a big videographer. You can you can pretty much. Do a whole music video on a on an iPhone now. Do it on the iPhone, upload it to YouTube, put it on SoundCloud, put snippets on Instagram. I mean that's great. I mean as more people can hear your music and maybe you get uh, recognized, but it, it just it's just a lot of rappers out now. One of those rappers was named or is named Nuke Bizzle, right? And Nuke had a song called EDD. Now, I would have never known what EDD meant if I did not live in California. By living in California, I'm familiar with EDD because that is the unemployment office of Californians. And honestly, I had no idea what it was like a year ago, but because of the coronavirus, 
you hear it a lot more because that's where, you know, these extra stimulus checks and all this stuff is always on the news and everything like that. So he has a song called EDD. And in the description of the song, he says it's just for, you know, none of this stuff is true. It's just for commercial purposes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and he's rapping about, in the song, EDD, about scamming the unemployment office. And you say, well, how can you scam the unemployment office? Well, you put in, you know, fake claims. Um, in this case, using fake identities. Um, and basically what they do is, you know, they they, they load up uh, an ATM card or a debit card and mail it to you. So, you know, you could have thousands of dollars on a on a debit card because they're automatically putting it into your on your card each each month. So at first I'm like, well, maybe it is just, you know, fake because he's just one person. So how much could he possibly be scamming? Even though he kept saying that, you know, he's getting his Gucci off his EDD card. You know, he said he don't have to sell cocaine. He just had to file a claim. I will say this uh, before I get to the next point of the story. The song is fire. Okay. The song is really good and really catchy. He has a good hook and a good beat. And they're not bad rappers. <laughs> he has somebody else rapping on there with him. I mean, it may be the last song he ever does, but it's a good, it's a good song. Song's fire. Well, I guess the actual California Unemployment Office Department and the feds got wind of said song and started to do a little investigating. And ah, uh, Nuke Bizzle, my guy. Nuke Bizzle had filed 96 <laughs> claims with like different names, different addresses, different people, stolen identities. He filed all these claims of unemployment. 96. Like, come on. That's like, that's huge. It's a big scam. And um, Mr. Bizzle, with all of those claims and all of those debit cards, had upwards of, I believe they said $1.2 million, basically, in unemployment monies that was put on these debit cards. And him and his associates had withdrew... Because you can withdraw cash from these. Uh, withdrew $710,000 in straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Ah, Mr. Bizzle. Here's the thing about scamming that, that's very, very important. And I talked to my uh, best friend, Sam the African. Uh, he works at a bank. Um, and I was like, how often, you know, does this stuff happen, you know, with fraudulent loans and all of this stuff? And he says it's, it's, it's pretty frequent, happens pretty often. He said, but the way that they get caught the majority of the time is not because of the banks or the cops or the feds or whatever. It's they tell on themselves. They do things out of the ordinary that raise a white flag. That's what they end up doing. Now, there's a lot of different things you can do to raise a red flag, I should say, not white flag. Got my flags wrong. But they do a lot of different things to raise a red flag. Maybe not as egregious as actually doing a rap video of where you're getting your fake, you know, uh, bank cards from. But they do stupid things. You know, they, they... 
you know, take out a lot of cash. They would draw a lot of cash or they spend on luxurious items. If you notice, all the people that have been caught from the feds uh, with the Corona, the Rona loans, almost all the stories are the same. This person had such and such fake businesses, took out $2 million and then bought them a yacht, <laughs> bought them a yacht and a house and a Ferrari, a $300,000 car. When you do stuff like that, like if you go buy a regular car, right? Even if it's a nice car, you buy what fifty? What's, I don't know what people think think a nice car is. And I'm just talking like whatever. You could a twenty thousand dollar car could be a nice car. I'm not saying that. I'm saying but whatever. If you go buy a fifty thousand dollar car, a BMW, a Benz, or something like that, an Audi or whatever, right? And you you buy it fifty thousand dollar cash, somebody's gonna notice. <laughs> They may check on some things. They may they just gonna check on it. It's it's going to even like you can have it. It could be your money. You could have just went to the bank and said, "I'm going to buy a car." Look, right now you could have sixty thousand dollars in your bank account. You can go to your bank because they know it's you, right? And say, "I would like to have thirty thousand dollars," and it's your money, so they got to give it to you. And you say, I want $30,000 and $100 bills or whatever. They put it in the bag. You leave. You go to your dealership. You find your car that's $29,999. Let's just assume no tax and all that stuff. And you say, this is the car I want. I looked at it online. It's $29,999. Here's a bag with $30,000 cash in it. Now, if you're black... Automatically, that's gonna raise a flag for them. Could be totally legit. Could be totally legit, but it's gonna raise a flag for them. They're gonna check some things. They hell, they may not even. I mean, they probably take it, but there's gonna be some checks and balances before they take your thirty thousand dollars. Now, imagine if you could going in and going and getting your McLaren for three hundred thousand dollars. And they ask you what you do for a living. And you're like, I'm Nuke Bizzle, the rapper. <laughs> it's going to raise some flags. You know, if you if you bought you a yacht. If yesterday you was living in a two-bedroom apartment. And then the next day you know, bought you a $1 million house. And there's nothing to show that anything changed from day one to day two. It's going to raise a flag. So if you're going to scam, just, yeah, stay low. Stay low and build. You can't, you can't scam. They was, I mean, they were going to catch on eventually. Like 96, you got 96 different debit cards. Like eventually somebody was going to notice. Granted, you made it easier for them by making a music video about it with the actual letters that had the actual debit cards in them. <laughs> yeah, you made it easier for them. But eventually they were going to they were gonna find they were gonna find you out. I'm not condoning illegal activities. Should always be on the up and up. But there's not like there's criminals and then there's the world's dumbest criminals. 
Nuke Bizzle may end up in jail for double-digit years. May not get life, but double-digit years. All because he wanted to floss on YouTube. If Mr. Bizzle would have just maybe not did anything, who knows, they to know. I get the feeling they would have caught on eventually because one of the problems with, with scammers is they're greedy. They don't know when to stop. So like, wait, you know, Mr. Bizzle was probably like, shoot, at the, he probably started off with like five. He got away with it. Nobody bothered him. Then he went to 10. Man, nobody's really paying attention to this. Went to 25. Once again, nobody really paying attention. Went to 40. I mean, this might work. Went to 67. Oh my God. So Mr. Bizzle would have, would have kept going to, he has like 500 until they caught him, basically. Let's just be smarter, okay? Um, what's the other thing I want to talk about? Oh, uh, Aisha Curry put on a blonde wig and people lost their mind. She put on a blonde wig and people lost their mind. Here's the thing. Here's the most important thing that you need to understand. If Steph Curry likes it, that's all that matters. That's her husband. If your, if your husband likes it, that's all that matters. So if, if he doesn't have a problem with her going blonde, who is, it's the same thing like with Patrick Mahomes. Like, you can kind of look at Patrick Mahomes' lady and be like, she's super annoying, like, every day. But if Patrick likes it, that's all that matters. So if Aisha wants to get, like, a nose job, blonde wigs, use Instagram filters, say that she needs attention from thug dudes that on her husband... She wish she had some thought in years. It doesn't. You know, none of that should matter to us. You know what I mean? Like we can look at it. We can maybe discuss between our close friends what we think. But in reality, who cares? If Steph likes it, I don't know. Maybe Steph likes when somebody new. You know, his his wife comes in and she looks like you know, uh, Kylie Jenner. I mean, maybe he likes it. I don't know. It's on him. It's on him. And somebody was like, is this where we're They're like, Rob, uh, is this where we're at, you know, as a society? I'm like, what year do you think this is? This is a this is a lightweight story for 2020. But yes, this is where we are. Yeah, people are going to, you know, debate about that. Just be real careful about your opinions. Like, to me, you can have an opinion. Just you may not just want to share it on social media. That would be my advice to to a lot of just don't share it. You gotta you gotta read the room. Share that to your personal group chat to your boys, your girls or whatever. But you know, keep that off the public timeline. Just sometimes just like 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 I told Bizzle. You just got to keep that some of that stuff to yourself. There's another story about, uh, you, did you see this on BSO? A guy was suing, it's one of these reality show guys. He's suing Drake and, and Odell Beckham for beating him up. The story, the story's funny. I, for the record, I don't think Odell, Bell, Odell had anything to do with it. I totally believe the Drake part. But uh, the guy... Went to go meet his girlfriend in the club. 
And when he got to the club, his girl was up in the VIP with Drake and, and Odell. He tried to get in the VIP. Uh, they didn't let him. And his girl didn't leave the VIP, if you smell what the rock is cooking. And then, I guess it escalated, went downstairs a little bit, and Drake, uh, Drake gave the, the, throat, the throat slash symbol. And the security beat the dude up. Yeah, Odell was just kind of standing there. Odell's kind of a, a lot of times just standing there. <laughs> is when stuff is happening. The Drake stuff, I totally believe. The dude was, was he's, he's, he, they roughed him up a bit. Now, of course, in the lawsuit, you just can't be like, oh, I got roughed up a bit. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't say that in the, in the lawsuit. You can't just say, I got roughed up a bit. So in the lawsuit, he's like, you know, I couldn't walk. I can't breathe. You know, I can't do any of that stuff, you know. <laughs> he's acting like it's all, it's all, he can't walk and all of this stuff. He got me, but he did get roughed up a bit. So he's angling for a settlement. But the fact of the matter is, if your if your girlfriend or significant other won't leave the VIP when she's she's gone, she's gone, my brother, she's gone. You know, there's no need to get in a fight over it unless you're trying to sue and you know win some money. Man, maybe in retrospect you should, you know. I mean, Drake and Odell are pretty rich. He may be able to get a quarter mil off, off of that and get him a whole new girl. <laughs> Let's move on to the Injustice League. The Injustice League. Imagine if you're Dr. Fucci. You've been like an infectious disease doctor at the top of your, your field for, what, like 50 years? I mean, what's Fucci like, what is he, about 70-something? So let's say that's 30 years, 30, 40 years, long time. Long time. I read somewhere that he's served under six presidents. Six. That's a lot. Some of them were two term. This is the guy they come to when something weird happens. And here's the thing. In our societies, it's going to happen. There's going to be diseases. There's going to be uh, viruses and, and all of this stuff. So that's why we have doctors. So imagine him. You know, 40 years in or whatever, <laughs> six presidents in, five, whatever. And then he, <laughs> he got to deal with Trump, the village idiot. Like, can you just imagine that? Can you imagine someone? Here's the thing. You, you don't even, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Dr. Fucci is very smart, super, super smart about, you know, his chosen craft. Considering he's the top <laughs> infectious disease doctor in the country. Can you imagine, you don't even have to be the top, right? You could be the checker, the cashier at Target. Can you imagine trying to talk to Donald Trump about anything of, of any significance? Now imagine being the top doctor in your chosen field. And you got Trump trying to explain how things should be going when dealing with a virus. Like, I just, I just can't imagine. And because he's a president, you kind of got to just take it. But I can't imagine. They said uh, Fucci, uh, back in his younger days, he used to uh, run a lot. Yeah, that's how he stayed in shape. I'd imagine uh, an infectious disease doctor is pretty good at 
staying in shape because you literally know how everything is a disease. So I, I, I imagine he's in pretty good shape. But now I guess he does power walks because he's older. And he, but he can't do the walks like alone anymore because him and his family's been getting death threats. Like, how is that even possible? How is a a doctor of infectious diseases getting death threats? Like, it literally makes no sense at all. He's a doctor of infectious diseases. His job is to make sure you don't die. <laughs> but he's getting death threats on a daily basis to where he has to have a security detail because it is Trump is an idiot. I just can't imagine. I bet you he can't wait for this year to be over. There's a lot of people for a lot of various reasons that can't wait for this year to be over. I'm sure Dr. Fucci is like, please, Lord. He may try to vote three times to try to get this guy out of here. <laughs> three times. What is it about like rappers? <laughs> we talked about Ice Cube last time, right? Diddy says he's starting a political party. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, man, bro, it's two weeks before the election. Like, two weeks. <laughs> you can't just start a whole political party two weeks before a pre. <sighs> These guys, man, I tell you, 2020 will give you a headache just waking up. Just waking up, you get a headache. Like I, like I, like I said in the last episode, I think Ice Cube's like intentions are in the, the best place. It's like, but, but you, it's, you're not doing, you, Trump's not giving you $500 billion. They'd say anything to, to get a few black votes. I mean, you you I mean, come on, man. You made you made you know, straight jacking. I mean, come on now. This is not what I expect from Doughboy. Now Diddy's been monetizing elections for a while. What was it? Voter die. He, you know, Diddy's a businessman through and through. You know, video talk all this stuff and then Mason be like, can I have my masters back? And all of a sudden, D's phone is off. Going straight to voicemail. So I, just, I just, I don't, I, you know. Look, celebrities are, are celebrities for a reason. And I'm not like the whole shut up and dribble thing. <laughs> but let's try to make some sense of it all. You know, let's just not just be saying stuff just to, to say stuff. Let's not just wake up one day, two weeks before the election, and say, I want to start a whole political party. I just, it's disrespectful to the people that actually go out and do uh, the work. It's really disrespectful uh, to them. And I don't, like, I don't know. I just, I see an Ice Cube do all these interviews, and I'm like, just, just why? Just, I mean, why? Why? You know, contract for Black America or whatever it is, the the platinum plan. I like is is they're gonna get direct deposit. Like somebody, there was a I know I'm at a loss for words. Somebody did an article today, and they were talking about does Ice Cube understand that even if Trump promised him five hundred billion dollars, all the oversight and everything that would have to happen. And 
they wouldn't give it to Ice Cube. He's not a not an elected official. He's just Ice Cube. His name is Ice Cube. Like you want to like make me think you're serious? Start going by O'Shea Jackson when you use these do these interviews. Because Ice Cube is not for the pop charts. I'm not giving five hundred billion dollars to somebody named Ice Cube or Ice T. I need I need you to go by O'Shea. Damn, Easy es rolling in his grave. But maybe not. Easy e was having dinner with Bush or Reagan or somebody. I don't know. Hey, Barkis. I know. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very stressed about this, too. And since you are a dog of color, you should be as well. He's brown. No white dogs in this house. I'm just joking. White dogs are fine. It's just, I'm just joking. White dogs are fine. Speaking of joking, um, Donald Trump said he'll leave the country if he loses. He might leave the country. And he wasn't joking. It's kind of a laugh, but not really. He might have to. Honestly. He might have to. I'm curious. I'm curious what's going to happen if he loses. And I'm not sure he's going to lose. I don't believe any polls. I don't believe any of that. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. You know, fool me three times. I'm just a damn idiot. So I don't believe any of those polls. But if he did, if he did lose, I'm curious of how it's going to go, because the way our country is set up, we, we we're, we're a fake country. It's, it's no different than the boys. So, yeah, I finished watching the boys. And it's really just about America and Trump just using super. Everything is a facade. Everything is fake. That's the way that America is. They try to make America look like a certain way, but if you are in America and you don't have blinders on, you see the real. So I wonder if they are going to leave Trump alone only because, you know, a former president in jail is not the great look for a country. With that being said, he's committed so many crimes. You feel like something has to happen. He owes so much money. And the problem for Trump, as I see it, for him, is that a lot of people go along with what he's doing because he's the president. It's like, you know, anybody that's your boss that you don't like. If you want to keep your job, you know, you kind of, unfortunately, a lot of people just roll with it. People say, how how can people work for Trump? How can they get up there and lie for Trump? How can Republicans do this? Ask yourself, how many of your bosses and superiors do you like? Just think about it for a second. I don't think people are are intentionally being hypocritical, right? But how many of you really love your boss? How many of you really like your boss? Like going to work? If If you had... How many of you, if you had a chance, would work somewhere else if you could? But you can't because, you know, you got a family to feed. You got bills to pay. That's just happening on a higher level. None of them, I don't think, like Trump, but he's the president and they got bills to pay. Now, my thing is what happens, though, when he's not president and they don't have to fake it anymore? It's like if your boss got fired. You know what I'm saying? If your boss got fired... You'd probably be just like, man, yeah, I never did like that son of a gun. 
He really didn't. I thought he was trash from the beginning. <laughs> so what happens when if Trump gets fired? I think what, the first thing you have is a lot of books. A lot of people going to write a lot of books. I'm sure a lot of those people are, who've been around him have been keeping copious notes. So there'll be a lot of books written. I think that's first. But how many people are going to turn on him? How many people that are right now, today, kissing his ass, but on whatever, whenever he's, what, January 20th, they're supposed to kick him out if he loses? How many of those people are going to be running right to, you know, running right to CNN or Cuomo or, or whatever? And be like, let me tell you what really was happening, but I couldn't talk because I felt, I felt trapped. I felt like if I said something, my life and my job was in danger. He might have to leave the country. I mean, he has all those Trump plazas in Russia and stuff like that. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm curious. I, like I said, if if America wasn't such a fake country, he'd be in jail or indicted January 21st. But with such a fake country that's so white power centric, he may he may like he's been skating his entire life. He may skate. He may skate and end up with a show on Fox News that's one of the high, highest rated shows of all time. He may do The Apprentice again, for all we know. It'd be very curious to see how it works out. All right, let's move on to keep that same energy. Keep the same energy. So someone said a, a WNBA player shared this. I did not see it from a WNBA player. I saw it from this random person. But essentially, uh, it says here that uh, it's like a meme. I guess it would be considered a meme or a graphic about Sue Bird and LeBron James um, and how they have similar uh, accomplishments in the sense that uh, Sue Bird's been in the um, WNBA for 17 seasons. And won four WNBA championships. LeBron has been in the NBA for 17 seasons. Won four NBA championships. They both have gold medals. Um, I actually think that uh, Miss Bird has a little more. uh, Because she has a couple of uh, NCAA championships uh, as well. Then it goes on to speak about uh, their salaries. Uh, Miss Bird uh, made this year 2020. It says $215,000. Uh, LeBron made $37.4 million, And it said the bonus for winning the 2020 finals was $11,000 uh, for Miss Bird. And for LeBron, uh, it was $370,000. And they, uh, the person, I guess, uh, was trying to point out uh, the wage gap uh, between male and females. Uh, the differences in the wage gap. And they were using Miss Bird and LeBron as an example. Now, we have to start using some common sense here, people. We have to, st- really, we just, here's the thing. I'm all for equal rights for everybody. I am truly about if a woman does the exact same job as a man that she should uh, pay or she should uh, make the exact same amount of money. Uh, I believe that. Now, before I get to this other stuff, have you ever uh, listened to the Bill Burr? I remember Bill Burr was, 
he was on Saturday Night Live and he ruffled some feathers. So I can tell people have never listened to his stand-up before. Uh, I'm glad they never got to what he said about Michelle Obama. They really would have lost their mind. But have you ever heard Bill Burr talk about the uh, wage gap? <laughs> it's a pretty good, go on YouTube, right? Now, once again, I'm not saying I agree with it. If you do the same job, then you should get paid the same amount of money. But his premise is, is that there's a, uh, a dollar an hour uh, tax that men get paid more because if there's a fire, it's always the women and children get out first. He's like, so all the stuff that men have to do and sacrifice is worth an hour more uh, hourly for, for the jobs. You know, if it's, if he's talking about the Titanic, he said, if he said, if women want to get paid equally, we all get in that little boat the same. That's not going down with the ship. Pretty good segment. Uh, you should probably check it out. I'm not saying I agree with it. It's just funny. He's a comedian. He tells jokes. People need need to understand about that. He, actually, this, that works in this segment. Keep that same energy. It's like, it's jokes. It's jokes. Like, it's always when people say stuff like, um, lyrics, are, rap lyrics are too violent. They cause this, that, and the other. Um, and comedians can't, the, like, you know, I think normal people conceptually can separate certain things, right? Like, if I am listening to, you know, Rick Ross, right? I mean, I know that's not whatever he's rapping about. It's not really happening, okay? <laughs> you know, like, like you know, I know he ain't shot 17. If I'm watching the movie Scarface, I remember Jay-Z had a line, you know, Scarface the rapper, uh, Scarface the rapper did less than Scarface the movie to me. <laughs> Meaning that these are all, like, Scarface the movie got people like, oh, yeah. but nobody's going around like Tony Montana. They may dress like Tony Montana. They ain't going around, like, just, you know, shooting people who say hello to my little friend. I mean, come on. Like, come on. And that's the same thing with comedians. They tell jokes. I mean, jokes, each comedian has a different style. Like, I, I remember Eddie Murphy was, I think he was doing something with, a. Uh, Seinfeld, like the coffee with comedians, and they were talking about. He's like, "Look, you know, I did Raw in 1987. I did Delirious in 1984. I'm not. I can't do that material in 2020. I'm not an idiot, you know. But it, you can't punish someone for for jokes that were made 10 years ago, 20 years. You can't punish someone for you know a joke." If they're a comedian, that's their job, right? You know what you're signing up for when you go to a comedy show, right? It's like if I went to a KKK rally and then I got offended that they were talking bad about black people. Like, I already know what I'm signing up for. To me, I think one of the problems in our society is this, is that stuff that, like, to me, a comedian saying something has really no world effect, right? <laughs> like, that's not messing up the economy that's not getting my house my mortgage loan you know correct that's not about equality it's just a comedian telling jokes i can choose not to listen i can say it's not funny like if you don't think dave Chappelle is funny you don't have to listen to him dave Chappelle is not changing anything about society you should be more concerned about your councilman than dave Chappelle. you see what i'm saying like if a president says something that you know, that affects things. If a senator, a house of representative, or whatever, you know, a cop. Like if uh if a comedian tells a joke about, you know, Black Lives Matter, right? That's 
a lot different than a cop on Facebook saying he hate, he hate Black Lives Matter and they're a terrorist operation. You understand what I'm saying? Hopefully, hopefully you get what I'm saying. You got you to let that go. Um, but yeah, but back to uh, Miss Bird and LeBron. So we have to use some common sense from time to time, right? If women and men played in the NBA together, <laughs> then this would be a different discussion. It's not the same job when it's two different leagues. I mean, nobody pay, nobody says the, the lingerie football league should be making as much as Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's, it's two different things. You, you have to under, I mean, you should, I mean, this shouldn't be hard. I should, really shouldn't have to explain this. You know there's a revenue difference. They don't even play 82 games in the WNBA. They play like 25 games, like 30 games. If if you paid Sue Bird thirty seven million dollars, that's the that's everything that that is the entire that's more than what they make the entire league. the The league has been in the red for the majority of its existence. If they had the money, they would give it to them. I'm fairly sure of that. I'm not saying they shouldn't fight for more money. You know, maybe they feel like. 215000 is not enough. Maybe they should be making a million dollars for a star player like Superb. But that's all based off of the revenue. It's not based off of the gender. If they figure out a way to make more revenue, the players should, or if they're hiding revenue, then the players should cause a fuss. But it's never going to be NBA revenue. It's just not. So sometimes my point is, is that when you're trying to make a point, a good point about a, a, a real issue, don't use stupid analogies because it just turns people off to the actual issue. Like there's definitely a wage gap situation. There was two plumbers and they worked at the same plumbing job, Jack's Plumbing or Jane's Plumbing. There's a male plumber and there's a female plumber. And they both put together the pipes the same way. And Jack is is, is, is paying the guys $15 an hour and the women $13 an hour. Then yeah, that's a problem. That's the issue. There's no real reason why. They're both putting in the pipe the same way. But WNBA and the NBA are two separate entities. They have two different business models. They bring in different type of television revenue. They bring in different type of advertising, you know, sneaker money and all of this other stuff. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't get paid more. You know, Sue Bird has put in a lot of work and deserves all the recognition. But she deserve, I shouldn't say she shouldn't deserve $37 million. There's just not $37 million to give her. I, and, you know, if you can find a, a spreadsheet that says, hey, the the WNBA is making $2 billion a year, $3, 4 $5 billion a year, then I'll be like, give her $37 million. Like I said, just don't, just don't be stupid when trying to make a bigger point, a better point. I hate, I hate when people say, I'm going to leave this here as if they're being smart. Like, no, you're being stupid. And then you see people saying, pay her. With what? <laughs> what are you going to pay her with? 
maybe your angst should be at whoever is running the WNBA. Because they haven't figured out a way to generate more revenues over 17 years. I don't know what Miss Bird made in her first year. But the question is, how much greater has she made from year one to year 17? You know, LeBron has went from five, six, seven million dollars a year to thirty-seven million dollars a year. That's growth in a business. Now, maybe she was only making thirty thousand dollars a year when the WNBA started. She's up to two ten. I don't know. But once again, the problem is not LeBron. The problem is not the NBA. The problem is not people that you know. Like, and I get it. There are some ignorant people out there. That every time you mention it in the WNBA, they say ignorant things, they say stupid things, they say sexist things. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people that just say, you know, I don't like it, which is fine. We have to get to a point where that's fine. Where it's not, if I don't like something, it means I'm X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Like, you could just say, I don't like it. Now, you don't have to go out of your way to tell everybody it. But if somebody asks you... Say, well, why? I don't like it. Okay, that's fine. You don't you don't really need another reason. Some people don't like wrestling. Some people don't like football. Some people don't like the NBA. Some people prefer soccer. Some people like tennis. I'd rather some people rather watch golf. Who cares? That's fine. If you say, hey, I don't like the WNBA, that does not mean that you have anything against them. And once again, I'm not talking about the ones that are ignorant to you all the time. Just saying. Keep that same energy. Be sure to check out the website, blacksportsonline.com, and register for my email list for all the new updates. Listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSOTV, and much appreciation to my podcast partners at ABF Creative for all their hard work in making this weekly podcast a success. I'm out.